the music today is Achilles by Kevin McLeod. Thank you so much for coming around and giving random ventures of an indie traveler a listen. I'm your host, Casey, and here you can tune into my own awesome adventures from different interesting areas around the States and other countries as well. Some of these in which you'll know, and others will most likely be entirely new to you. I'll also sometimes chat about fun facts, history, culture, and bizarre mythical beings or creatures around these areas. This week's random venture of an indie traveler is all about the amazing inner walled city center of Cittadella, Italy, and the monster of Ravenna. So, a little fun fact for you is I'm recording this right now, and when this releases... Fingers crossed with COVID regulations and everything with travel, I'll get there. But as this releases, I should be in Italy myself. So that's a fun, interesting tidbit for you. And if you're listening to this in the future, then I'm looking forward to that fun adventure coming up. And you'll probably hear little tidbits along the way too. And see lots of fun adventures coming in the future, of course. So you're truly in for a wondrous hidden gem as I get to tell you about one of my most favorite places in the world. Cittadella is the stupendous Italian city that I actually called home for three months as I was an au pair from one of the sweetest families ever imaginable. I grew very fond of this lovely city and I got to know it quite well as I would walk through the city center, which is the walled portion. Today, this awesome area has a lot of fun little shops and a couple of restaurants. And then on a special day of the week, they do a fun market, which is really awesome. And I'll share all about that. I would walk through this part of the city Monday through Friday, pretty much every day, as I would go to Castelfranco to my Italian lessons. My awesome host family always made me feel at home, and they were so fun and wanting to show me around, and we got to see a live show right there in the city center, which was completely in Italian, and it was really awesome. Even if I could only understand bits and pieces, really, there's nothing like it. There's still something poetic and great in watching a play that is in another language. My host family also told me about how gelato wasn't year-round, but seasonal. Who knew, right? Anyways, there was an amazing gelato shop there. And when it opened, oh, I definitely got my fill of gelato. And let me tell you, pistachio gelato is amazing. They also have a Nutella gelato. So pistachio, if you do chocolate and Nutella, oh my gosh, it's so incredible. If you ever go to Italy, hit up the gelato shops because you will be in for a special treat. And make it themselves there every single day. And oh, it is the best ever. Ice cream will never be the same for you. So Cittadella is about an hour from Venice, and in Venice in February, they have the carnival. So with that, you know, they dress up in different masks and costumes, and it's pretty cool. There's a whole story to it. That'll be in another episode. But anyways, in Cittadella, in the square, like right where they have the domus, the church and everything, they actually had put up different superhero figures like Batman and Spider-Man, Superman and the Hulk. They put them up right there in the square and it was just really fun because they had that and then they had like a little mask underneath but that was like their carnival celebration decorations and I just loved that. It was so much fun. 
I remember fun times with my young host brothers and playing and enjoying the fun square with their sweet babysitter. I would always come to bring them to their sports practice and she didn't know much English and I didn't know much Italian so it actually worked out. We would still find our way to communicate and it was really fun. With my host family, the parents actually had really awesome English speaking skills, but the kiddos, they were learning English, and so when I first met them, it was still a bit new to them, And but the more they were learning, it was really cool to see the way that they can help me with their babysitter, because they would help us to communicate during times where it was like, okay, I need a little extra help here. They could actually do it, and I loved seeing that. That was amazing. Something else I really enjoyed and found that mostly all Italian cities, at least those that I've spent time in, they set up these really cool outdoor markets. Sometimes it's once a week and others it's probably like every day. But it's just so cool. I know in the smaller towns they do it once a week and then in the bigger cities like in Florence, I was there for a month also, <laughs> that'll be in the future, but there they do it like every day. So it's really awesome to get to see this and to get to just see the fun little markets and see what these amazing people are selling. Their goods are absolutely beautiful and awesome. Like some of it's pure Italian leather and, you know, different awesome things. Yeah, very, very cool to see. And then, of course, you've got the touristy things like the hats that say Italia and other things like that. Yeah, you'll find a good mix of fun things here. But anyways... The market here was so, so fun. It was one of my favorite things that I got to do. And it was always my favorite day. I would go shopping and buy some of the cutest and most fun clothes. And they were really an incredible deal. To this day, I still have many of them and they're made so well and just super stylish and fun. Fun styles for sure. Also, they had to set up a different market that has foods like meats, cheeses, fish, things like that. Now, I'm not a fish type of gal, so I always wrinkled my nose passing through that part. But it was very cool just to see everything. And the bread, oh, they have so many varieties that are all baked fresh that day and baked to absolute perfection. I'm not typically huge into bread and living in the States, you know, like loaf of white bread. Yeah, I could do without it for sure. But in Italy, it's a whole different ballgame. Just like the ice cream. The gelato there is incredible. And the bread is awesome too. And their pizza. It's another thing. I am not really a huge pizza fan. I know, call me crazy. But in Italy, oh, it's a different world. They actually have a pizza Americana or something like that where they have french fries on it and some different things. And yeah, that was actually really good. My host family was kind of joking about it, saying, oh yeah, the American gets the <laughs> pizza Americana. And the boys that were in the family, at the time they were about four and seven years old and they were loving that pizza because I guess they hadn't really had it before, but they love french fries and you know, you have pizza, you come buying the two and oh my gosh it's incredible so I actually got them addicted to that sorry guys anyways I'm seriously telling you if you ever want to check out an area being an au pair is an awesome way to check out and experience life in different countries and I can definitely post a link down below oparaworld.com that's what I used to connect me with the awesome family that I was connected with totally I so suggest it for you guys and girls and everybody anyways I could talk about that in another episode for sure but my family was amazing and I just loved experiencing a real Italian life with them. And now, Cittadella is a magical city with lots of history. 
So let's get to that part. In 148 BC, this part of Veneto was settled by the Romans. While here, they built the Postumia Road. This connects Genoa and Aquileia. After this, it was under the Lombards, and then likely returned to its original wild roots for nearly 1,000 years. Wow, isn't that fascinating? So that means that for 1,000 years, it was sort of untouched. I mean, maybe people would come around and whatever, come and go, but no one was really living there. I mean, it was just kind of sitting there for a 1,000 years nonetheless. Cittadella's new beginnings was not exactly a happy-go-lucky type. As it was starting to flourish, and not too long after that, it suffered through Azzolino III, the Romano, who opened a prison that was absolutely dreadful. I mean, I guess what prison is happy? I don't know. I think maybe I saw that in either Switzerland or Norway, there are things like happy prisons that, I mean, not like happy, but you know, it's like calming and they're actually pretty nice. It's like living in a house almost. So that's another little interesting thing. I've never been to one of those, luckily, and I hope I never get to go to a prison. But Maybe if I do, uh, maybe it would be like that. I don't know. I guess you can't really choose these things, can you? Anyways, I'm just saying, I don't want to go to prison. So there we go. But anyways, as we know, his prison was not that kind. And then later, it returned back to the patronage of Padua and the Carreresi family. Then you fast forward to 1797, and there was the fall of the Republic via Napoleon. No, not Napoleon Dynamite. The other one. Because of this, Cittadella is shortly ruled by the French. Then, in 1815, it became part of the Austrian territory, before finally becoming part of Italy in 1866. And there it has stayed. A medieval walled city in Padua, Cittadella is one of the most entirely intact walls in all of Italy. Not only that, in fact, this is the only parapet or fully walkable wall fortification in all of Europe. How incredible! Yet, yeah, amazingly, you can walk all the way around this structure, and it is truly a beautiful and wondrous sight and experience as well. Something else that's interesting is this is a nearly circular fortress, while pretty much all other medieval fortresses had four sides. Kind of like a, you know, squarish, rectangular kind of thing going on. So this city is a wonder in many different ways. If you stand outside the walls, you'll see the beautiful moat as well, and you can get some of the most stunning pictures ever. Seriously. I'm always excited about getting artistic with my pictures, and there's no shortage of that here. I mean, it's just so wonderful, and every day, as the sky and the scenery, and depending on what time you're coming upon it, it's just so beautiful, and you could take some really exquisite pictures here. There were days where it was really dark and stormy and cloudy out, and it gave it just this really interesting kind of look. And then there were days where it was sunny and beautiful, and it was just truly a marvel in all ways. Every few feet, you'll see that you'll find new, amazing photo opportunities, and you'll wind up with more pictures than you know what to do with. I'm going back soon, and so then you can look forward to a video on my random ventures of an indie traveler YouTube channel. So definitely check it out. And that is linked below. There were originally four city gates. Now, if you're wondering why, that's a great question, and I think I got you covered. They each point to a different particular city, and there you have it. Porte Bassanesi, to the north, leading to Bassano. Porte Trevigiani, 
to the east, which goes towards Treviso, Porte Padovane, which leads to the south towards Padova, and last but not least, there was Porte Vincentine to the west towards Vicenza. That's pretty interesting stuff, right? I thought so. The walls are about 16 meters high, and the walk is right around one and a half kilometers. So really, it's a great walk. Amazingly enough, there are 32 gateways. There are drawbridges to pass through the main gates. On some of the gates, you'll see a painting of the four-wheeled cart symbol of the Cararesi, which was a powerful aristocratic family that controlled Padua and the area around it for some time prior to when the Republic of Venice extended its power over that territory. The wondrous walls of Cittadella defended it through a series of wars and attacks, with the many changes taking place. Given its history, as it had been sort of like a gateway to several different cities, as well as belonging to different countries, as I mentioned earlier, we know that there was definitely a need to defend itself. Around these gates, with the cart symbol, is where you can begin your walkabout up and around the wall. Definitely take note of all the different amazing views of the wall as you walk around. You get an interesting outlook at what it would have been like way back when, and when I was there, I was envisioning protecting my city from the invaders trying to take it down and gain control. There's something about it when you truly experience a place and try to put yourself in their shoes. It's one of my favorite things to do when I experience a place for the first time especially. Remember your phone or a camera because, as I said earlier, you can definitely take some amazing breathtaking pictures. As it is breathtaking, remember to breathe and really get a feel for where you are. You can see part of the Dolomites all the way from here. If you don't know what those are, they are the southern alps of the Italian side that go from the river Adige to the west and go all the way to the Piave Valley towards the east really really awesome. There's a fun small museum where you can learn about what life was like around here in Cittadella during the time of the Middle Ages. You'll also learn about the major sieges against Cittadella and some of the different weapons and armor that was used. Fun fact, I learned that slingshots were actually a big help here. I mean, just imagine that a slingshot in a rock can cause a considerable amount of damage from that distance. Ooh, yikes, I wouldn't want to be that guy. What an interesting world that would have been to have lived in. I mean, kids learning how to use slingshots for war. Whoa, craziness. Gotta just imagine the boy behind his dad and being like, don't worry, dad, I got you back. And then doing his little slingshot action. Whoa, so interesting. When I was on my walk here, I did notice that certain areas are a little on the potentially dangerous side. Not many areas, but you'll just come across them. So they have these staircases to help you get through these areas safely. No harm, no foul. So just watch out for that. Watch your step. Be careful and enjoy. Have an amazing time. During the time of the 13th century, in the Middle Ages, northern Italian cities were in a constant competition and hungry for as much territory as they could have. If you have ever been to northern Italy, or if you end up going in the future, you'll notice that there are many wall-like structures around parts of these different communes. You'll probably note that, unfortunately, some have not survived the wrath of time. But Cittadella has, magically enough. So it's possible that you're wondering what's the dealio with these walls anyway. These were built in order to give the areas much needed protection as it seemed that there were many areas that seemed to be at odds much of the time. It only made sense to ensure necessary protection. 
Chitagala was founded in the 13th century and it was a former military outpost halfway between two cities that had quite the rivalry going on amongst each other, those being Treviso and Vicenza. The construction of this magnificent wall began in the year 1220 to protect Padua as these wars raged on. If you're wondering how on earth could Chitadella still have an entirely intact wall, then that is a great question. In the 16th century, part of the wall was actually partially taken out, but thanks to the lovely restoration team, it was restored to its old self, and because they worked so hard to restore Cittadella's city center walls, now you can walk around the full perimeter, and again, this is the only one left in Europe, and which is completely walkable. So if you've never been to this area, I absolutely suggest checking it out, even if it's just to go around Cittadella and walking around the wall. It is... It's left quite a mark on history, and it's one of a kind indeed. Cittadella has several nicknames, and it's no wonder why the medieval heart of Veneto is one of them. This is such a unique place full of life, wonder, and walls that have ultimately stood strong for eight centuries and are still going strong to date. If you don't know what that signifies, then you better check out some of my other episodes. And if you have, then you know that it's mythical creature time. The monster of Ravenna first appeared in the time of the Renaissance around 1512. It is named so as it was near Ravenna. So that kind of makes sense, right? It was thought to be an omen hinting at what the outcome of the Battle of Ravenna would be. If you see a picture of it, it's like a child's head with a single horn on it. According to Johann Multivalis, this horn signifies pride, and it has wings like a bat. I learned that this can mean unstable state of mind. An unstable state of mind. Then, the one leg had a cloven hoof, and the other leg had a human eye midway down. Some say it had one leg that was like that of a raptor. Apparently, this means greed. And then there's the whole tone of sexual immorality and not behaving as one should in that way, as this creature was said to be the illegitimate child of a mother who was already married. Ooh, tisk tisk tisk. I wonder what kind of outcome this creature would be suggesting for the Battle of Ravenna. Any ideas? I mean, this monster appeared about a month before the battle had started. So in this battle, the French had wanted to gain control over the area, so the cavalry came in, and then there was the Spanish infantry, which came in from all sides. And then the French commander ended up dead in the end. So yeah, just a lot of craziness going on. There are thousands of people involved in the battle, and Germany was also involved. So yeah, quite a lot was going on there. So following the death of the commander, the French had kind of withdrawn the area and the Spanish forces, there were pretty much destroyed at Ravenna. So I just wanted to give you a tiny bit of history there. Now, going back to the creature, many people wrote about this monster in their diaries and journals. The earliest was by Sebastiano di Branca Tedolini, who was writing of a strange infant's birth to a nun and a friar. News had reached Pope Julius II. News was spreading out to Rome and Florence and beyond Italy to other regions of Europe about this creature. You know, it kind of reminds me of the game of telephone, where the first person comes up with a sentence and whispers it to the person next to them, who continues the chain whispering what they hear up to the last person. And it is usually embellished along the way, and it turns out to be something pretty different by the time it reaches the last person, who then says what they hear. Yeah, I kind of feel like this new 
the news of this creature probably got around in a way similar to that. And people maybe embellished it and added different things that they thought would be interesting along the way. So this was a form of that. Except, of course, in the 1500s, telephones didn't exist yet. Or did they? It was changing, and it was then said that the creature had two heads and one leg, and I'm sure much other information was displaced as well, as it happens. The medieval times were pretty intense, so in Europe and the city of Ravenna, it was not uncommon to abandon malformed infants that had little chance of survival. The Pope had ordered for it to be abandoned. Luca Landucci, who was a well-respected Florentine apothecary, wrote in his diary, and this is among the earliest and most reliable pieces of evidence that was found. It was thought that the monster could sometimes be a saint, but other times it would be the devil itself. Think about this poor child, I mean, born with a severe genetic disorder and the elaborate story that erupted from its existence. People are still talking about this creature to this very day, though of course, curiosity reigns over all else. Have you ever been to Cittadella or somewhere else in Italy? Do you have another suggestion for me to check out? I'm going to be spending a lot of time there, so I am excited to hear from you. You can reach me at randomindietraveler at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. I'm always posting great things on there at randomindietraveler. Also on YouTube again, Random Ventures of an Indie Traveler, and you can check out my podcast on all kinds of platforms like Spotify, Geo7, Radio Public, Podcast Addict, Google Podcast, and so many more places. Be sure to come back next week and tune in for another awesome adventure. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I'll catch you in the next one. Have a great day.